Well, the phrase inner peace has been used so much that it's pretty much feels kind of like a cliche, doesn't it? I mean, we value all those traditions that talk about it, and we value the pursuit of something deeper in ourselves. Um, I mean, there, but it's been used as a marketing tool for self-help programs and musical and holistic products and uh, motivational speakers and who knows what else. But many things that are good can be carried away into shallowness. American author and sardonic social commentator Fran Lebowitz said, there is, such a th- there is no such thing as inner peace. There is only nervousness or death. Any, par- any attempt to prove otherwise constitutes unacceptable behavior. I don't think we need to go that far now, really, do we? The idea of inner peace is closely associated with meditation and with yoga, with whatever disciplines might uh, still us and help cultivate connections that go deeper than the, the crowded world of our thoughts. Um, It's associated with Buddhism and Hinduism and Sikhism. The 14th Dalai Lama has told us that through inner peace, genuine world peace can be achieved. In this, the importance of individual responsibility is quite clear. An atmosphere of peace must first be created within ourselves, then gradually expanded to include our families, our community, and ultimately the whole planet. He's also said the planet does not need more successful people. The planet needs more peaceful people. Within the Christian tradition, as one reads the biblical narrative or studies the life of Jesus, you may easily conclude that inner peace was a major part of his character. In the uh, canonical Christian Testament, the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 20 to 21, once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. In the Nag Hammadi library, which is uh, non-canonical writings that were discovered far more in in far more contemporary times than the um, books were assembled that we today call a Bible. Um, 
in the Gospel of Thomas. We can read, Rather, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you, and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourselves, then you will become known, and you will realize that it is you who are the sons or children of the living father or parent. But if you will not know yourselves, you dwell in poverty. And it is you who are that poverty. Now, because we value the teachings of world religions and draw from them inspiration to inspire us to our ethical and spiritual lives, we acknowledge that there's something worthwhile in that Buddhism, in that Hinduism, in that Sikhism, in that Christianity, those references have value for us. An inner life that is necessary for wholeness is something that's worth aspiring to. We know that there are myriad practices one might employ to begin developing spiritual discipline and generating more fulfillment, fulfilling relationships with all that is holy, beautiful, wise, and just. But the subject I've selected for today is not inner peace, but rather when the inside and the outside agree. Inside and outside. Groucho Marx said, Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. (laughs) So in dogness, we can assume that there is a difference between inside and outside. In contrast to that, now that I think of it, When our insides and outsides are in agreement, people can read in us better than if if our integrity with ourselves is one place or the other. Years ago, I was at a gig being a musician, and a man that I worked with sometimes was aggravated with me. I was a little full that night, I think. Very unusual. And I had, been, I had developed a practice of transcendental meditation some years earlier, and he had been a transcendental meditator for decades already. And on this particular night, he said, Barbara, you've got some understanding in you. You've got it going on inside of you, but what you've got to do is make the outside match the inside. That gave me 
pause. I mean, that made me think for a long time. And I kept doing research in the meantime. Um, but we're not wanting to be superficial, right? And we're not wanting to be preoccupied with our appearances. So in, in what matter, in what manner, and why does the packaging matter? What does the outside have to do with the inside? I mean, frankly, some of the most fouled up people I know look great. We laugh, it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? That that can be true, that people can look so good and be so messed up. But the package package doesn't fool us, does it? Our capacity for perceiving what's healthy and what's not healthy in other people is pretty astounding. And the people that we meet, those very rare and striking human beings that you can feel are the very same from the depth of their toes and the depth of their spirit all the way to wherever it is that auras go. (laughs) Not being able to experience those myself, I just have to leave that up to other people. (laughs) But when when we see them, they make us feel good about us, don't they? There's something about just being with those people that makes everybody feel better. Now, who, who was it that gave us the quote? Someone I know uses it at the end of their email. I present myself to you in the form that's equal to the way I would like to be treated. I think that's why we try to dress up, right? That's why we try to look good. Because we know that in encounters with other people, first impressions make a difference. And first impressions can happen at a distance, But, you know, we're Unitarian Universalists. We have a history of being pretty casual. Right? I can remember one point in this sanctuary that um, one woman came in a bathing suit to, to a Sunday worship service. And it was not the Sunday of the swimming party. <laughs> You know, and we let people be who they are. 
But there's something, there's something outward other than the way that we dress and the way that we fix our hair and the way that whether, whether we're shaven or have on makeup or any of those kinds of things that's perceptible by the world around us. And if we want to be peacemakers, that's the part of what's outside of us that we have to work on. That's the part outside of us that we want to have reflect the work that we're doing on ourselves. In 1908, there was a woman born to a poor but well-respected family. Seems like her life was, her early life was comfortable, but, I mean, very modest, but didn't have events that were particularly noteworthy. I don't know the whole story. When she was 25, she eloped and moved with the man she had eloped with away from her family. They were married for 13 years. By the time she was 38, they were divorced. Seven years after that, from one coast, she had moved to the other. And in 1953... At the age of 45, she began a new life. For 28 years, she walked across America. She had vowed to remain a wanderer until mankind, that was her language then, has learned the way of peace. Walking until, walking until given shelter and fasting until given food. She carried no money. She carried no suitcases. She had a garment that, uh, like a vest with some pockets in it that she had some things in. And she stopped counting the miles when she reached 25,000. Walking across the country. She was known as the Peace Pilgrim. And her pilgrimage spanned both the Korean War and the Vietnam War. Well, in 1981, at age 73, she was killed in a car accident. She was on her way to a speaking engagement. Made guess she had a premonition to stay on foot. But in her words, there is a criterion by which we can judge whether the thoughts you are thinking and the things you are doing are right for you. The criterion is, have they brought you inner peace? If they have not, there's something wrong with them, the things you're thinking and doing. So keep seeking. If what you do has brought you inner peace, stay with what you believe is right. Now, I believe there are any number of you, probably most of you, if not all of you, that have come to places of understanding 
who've had experiences that at least help us understand that somewhere that peace exists, that we can participate with it, that we can foster it, because we value the experiences that awaken that in us. We know it has worth. We know it's worth investing in. But it's when those reflections carry into our outer lives that we actively change the world around us without doing a thing. I'm not saying we need to stop doing I'm not saying we need to stop having passions. I'm not saying that we need to change who we are. But there's value in the things that that faith traditions from all over the world share with us. It's hard to not buy into the outer packaging and invest all our efforts and staying up with the times in in making sure that the discomfort we feel inside isn't reflected outside if there's any part of your life that's uncomfortable maybe let me suggest that you take a little time that you would spend on maintenance of other than self and spend it on self-maintenance. Finding those places that your peace connects with the world or you connect with your peace. It's in that agreement that we as individuals ring true.